Let us pray. Lord, you are great and we are grateful. We offer our gifts, our very lives to you and to the work that you call us to. Bless our offerings of praise that we might be light and love to your hurting world. Through Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, it's so good to be with you all this morning. And before we read our scripture reading, I wanna invite you to think for a moment about a significant experience in your faith journey. Maybe of a time that you saw God clearly revealed to you in, in some way as you were reading scripture or, um, or hearing a message. Or when you strongly felt God's presence through a time of worship or prayer or maybe through a moment of difficulty. Perhaps it was a moment like when you were being baptized or confirmed or, or receiving communion or talking with a friend. Maybe it was experiencing God's grace through watching a sunset or watching a child play. Whatever the moment was for you, I want you to take just a few moments and relive that moment in your mind. Remember, what did it feel like to sense God's presence? Who were you with if you were with anyone else? What did you hear around you? Were there any smells or tastes that you can remember? Did anything change in you in that moment? At the time, did you wish that you could stay in that moment forever? And do you wish that you could go back to it now? Take just another second to, to relive and savor that moment. Our scripture reading this morning is one of those, I think, significant moments for Jesus's disciples for Peter, James, and John, one that it seems that they wanted to hold on to forever and stay in as long as they could. So let's take a listen as we hear from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, where it says, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While Peter was still speaking, Suddenly, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am very well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. So they were coming down the mountain. Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is a word of hope, a word of challenge, 
May God bless our hearing and understanding and our living of this word. So, that moment that you thought about just just a little bit ago uh, in your own faith journey, was it like what Peter and James and John experienced? Was it a, a mountaintop kind of moment where you had a clear sense of who Jesus was? Did you hear God's voice speaking to you in some way? Did you see or experience something mysterious, maybe even hard to understand? Was it a little bit scary? Not all of us have had such vivid and mysterious revelations of God's presence and power like Peter and James and John did there on the mountain. But I bet that most of us can relate to wanting to hold on to whatever good thing we have experienced in our faith. Wanting that moment to continue, maybe forever. I often describe myself as someone who has a lot of inertia. Anybody remember from physics what what that, that principle of inertia is? You know, an object in motion stays in motion, an object at rest stays at rest unless it's acted upon by an outside external force. Yeah, yeah, good job, everyone. I heard some responses. Way to pay attention in science class. Um, Well, for me, inertia means that once I'm in go mode, I can just keep on going, pushing through, energizer bunny, no slowing me down or stopping me. I have to be careful sometimes not to work straight through lunch. If I'm not paying attention, look up and suddenly it's three o'clock and I'm like, oh, I haven't eaten and I'm feeling really hangry and oh, better stop. Uh, The opposite though is also true. Sometimes on Fridays, which are my Sabbath days, I, I sleep in a little, have kind of a slow morning. And my husband, JB, will say, well, come on, let's, let's go for a bike ride or, or let's go for a hike or maybe let's, let's pack up some stuff and go camping for the night. And as much as I know that I will enjoy whatever adventure we might go on, it can be really hard for me to get motivated to get up off the couch, to get ready, to pack a lunch and fill the water bottles and do everything necessary to get out the door. Sometimes I just want to sit there and say, can't we just stay here, have a day at home? But thankfully, I have a thoughtful and and kind partner to act as that external force and to gently nudge me and remind me that once we are out on the adventure, I will be so glad that we didn't just stay in the house all day. And sometimes... We need that nudge in in our spiritual lives as well. Whatever state that we find ourselves in, maybe it's it's the uh, state of just doing all we can to juggle our busy lives, our work, our family. Maybe it's a a moment of, of mountaintop worship or engaging in a great way we found to serve. Maybe it's our our comfortable small group or Sunday school class. Whatever it is, sometimes we just want to maintain what we're doing, right? Like Peter, we say, Lord, it's good that we're here. I'll just go ahead and put up a few tents and, and we can all be happy campers right here where we're at. Can't we just stay here? 
these things are good, right? Just like it was a good God-filled moment that Peter experienced there on the mountain. But sometimes Jesus is calling us to more, to something else. Maybe it's that, that we've, you know, we found our rhythm of, of prayer, our way of discipleship, our, our schedule of serving, and we think, okay, great, check, got it, we got it under control, this is comfortable, this is working, I can just put my faith journey on cruise control and coast on. It's good for us to be here doing what we're doing. Can't we just stay here? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Well, Again, it's not to say that those rhythms, those set ways aren't helpful, but the thing we have to ask is, is are they helping us to really grow, to have to depend on God more and more? Does God maybe want to take us on a journey that will involve moving us beyond the comfortable places we find ourselves? You know, when I was uh, wrestling with, with my own call to ministry, I was in a season of life where I really loved going camping and, and going to music festivals, going to concerts on Saturday nights, being able to do whatever I wanted with my time on the weekends. One of my biggest hesitations with what I felt God calling me to, as much as I wanted to serve the church, was I thought, do I really want to give all of this up? I was, I was you know, doing fine. I was a good person, a good Christian. I, I did go to go to church when I wasn't uh, camping on the weekends, and I was serving in lots of ways. And I loved all that I was getting to do, but I had this sense that God was calling me to something more. And looking back, I'm so glad that I didn't let my inertia just keep me going in the direction that I was headed. God has taught me so much through getting to serve in the church, and, and my life is much richer and fuller, and, and my journey with God is stronger, and I would not trade it for anything. So I'm glad that, that I didn't just settle for the life that I had. I know friends who, who feel the same way about their decisions to become parents, that they questioned all that they were going to have to give up, but then as they looked back, they said, oh, it was so worth it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I wonder what that thing is for you in your life. What might God be calling you to, but you're still maybe doing that cost-benefit analysis of, is it really going to be worth it? This Wednesday, as we've said, begins the season of Lent. And as we journey towards the, the cross and towards Easter, we're going to be looking at how our journey of discipleship is a costly one. Not because it requires us to have a lot of cash or resources, but because it costs us something. Our comfort, our own ideas of where we think our life should be headed, our own priorities and prerogatives. We may question we really want to take a next step in that journey. And we can take heart knowing that Jesus and the disciples, they certainly wrestled with what God was calling them to as well. At the end of our Lenten journey, we'll remember Jesus' night of prayerful wrestling in, with God in the Garden of Gethsemane. But today, in our text, we see Jesus 
and his disciples on the mountain. We see those disciples' desire to stay right where they are. An important piece of the backstory to this wonderful mountaintop revelation and transformation is that it happens six days after Jesus tells them for, for the first time that he is going to suffer and die. And he says to them, all who want to come after him must say no to themselves and take up their cross and follow him. Jesus knows there is a costly journey ahead. For him, it's one that will cost his life. For Jesus conquers evil and death by letting it seemingly conquer him. His gaining victory over evil and death is made possible through his self-giving love that costs him everything. Without that, the resurrection would not have been possible. And Jesus, his disciples' faith in the face of the persecution that was to come might not have been possible if they had not seen him walking through that valley of the shadow of death. But in this moment, there on the mountaintop where they see him transfigured, they still are not quite accepting that suffering is going to come Jesus' way. They want to see tents raised, not a cross. They think maybe still it doesn't have to be such a costly journey. And before we get too quick to shake our heads and point our fingers and say, why couldn't they just trust what Jesus was telling them? We maybe should ask ourselves, do we sometimes want nice memorials to faith instead of the long, hard way of the cross? Moses and Elijah, there on the mountain with Jesus, they represented all of the law and the prophets. And I imagine, being a, you know, theological student that I am, maybe Peter was thinking, oh boy, I'm going to build them some tents and just think of all these good theological discussions that we'll get to have. Who better to ask all my hard scripture questions than these guys, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus? Okay, so maybe that's not what Peter was thinking. Maybe he's remembering what his Jewish tradition said that Moses and Elijah's return would signal the coming of the Messiah. Remember, it's just 14 verses before this passage that we read today in Matthew chapter 16, where we read that Peter affirmed Jesus at, that he believed he was the Messiah and then turns right around and, and gets rebuked for rebuking Jesus's words that he will suffer and be killed. So maybe there's still this lingering part of Peter that thinks, well, hey, since Moses and Elijah are here, maybe Jesus won't really have to go through that whole suffering and dying part. Maybe he thought that right there on the mountain was the moment they'd all been waiting for when, when God was suddenly going to make everything right. And some of us, maybe we're not so different from Peter. Maybe we think Sometimes the most important thing to, is to really understand everything we can about God and the Bible and what we're supposed to believe. And those things are good. But sometimes our, our memorial to faith in the form of endless intellectual discussion about God keeps us from ever really going on that journey of putting our knowledge, our love, those beliefs into action. Other times, we maybe fall into the trap of thinking that the life of faith and, and God's faithfulness will mean that we don't have to go through anything hard. No suffering. 
We, like Peter, want to say, Lord, no, it shouldn't be this way. Yet when we give, when we show love, even if it costs us something of ourselves, when we think of not our own self-interest, but the interests of others, as it says in Philippians 2, we begin to experience the way of Jesus, the way of the cross. And this is something that we do not just as individuals, but collectively. You know, sometimes it's particularly a temptation for churches to want to build memorials to faith instead of um, following the way of the cross. At some churches, it would seem that they would rather have their carpet and their walls and decorations perfectly clean and intact rather than letting their space be used for children's ministry and, and youth and community members. And I'm certainly glad that that is not true here. Although I will be as glad as, as some of the rest of you when we eventually get the carpet replaced on the education wing and, and some touch-ups done around the church. Um, I'm also so thankful that our building shows the marks of being used because children and young adults and hurting people in our community are being reached and formed and shown love through all of our ministries, our, our preschool, the Montessori school that meets here, through Club 45 and children's choirs and scouts and summer literacy camp and confirmation and youth group and Thursday night dinners and AA groups and so much more that happens in these walls. Okay? So if, if our building uh, being a, a pristine to memorial to faith is not our temptation, what makes us as a church want to say, I don't know about this journey. Can't we just stay here? You know, I wonder if it isn't that we just love all that we do as a church so much. You know, I mean, we've got great worship services. We've got great Sunday school classes and small groups and studies. We have great mission opportunities. We have a, a fantastic bazaar. We have amazing children's and youth and, and music ministries. I mean, we were blessed by the beautiful singing of the kids this morning. Can't we just stay here? Well, if we look back at our own church's history, 25 years ago or so, Bunio C said no. No, we can't just stay here. And the church leaders of that time, they weren't content just to maintain the good things going on over on King Street at the campus there. And so they made the bold move to come here, to build a new campus, to create new opportunities to expand who we could be as a church, what we could offer to our community. Today, we are reaping the benefits of this beautiful space and all that it allows us to do in ministry. You know, a lot of folks who, who study churches say that the life cycle of a church is, is kind of like a bell curve. You didn't know you were going to get science and math lessons in the sermon today. You remember what a bell curve is, right? So that often churches, you know, they launch and there's this period of kind of exponential growth and um, momentum builds. And then there's some healthy stabilization there at the top of the curve. But then things can kind of slip into maintenance phase and and even further, trying to just preserve what we've got and, and eventually into decline. But the good news is that that's not the only uh, trajectory a church has to have. But the thing that 
that brings that new life is when the Spirit moves and does something new. I think that's what happened 25 years ago when the Spirit moved and brought us to this location. I think the Spirit is up to something like that now. These these church leaders, um, these experts, they say that, you know, it's at the top of the curve. When you're in that healthy place, or even when you're starting to go into that maintenance mode, that often you want to innovate, do something new, and it starts the curve all over. And I have been so grateful to, as a, 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 a staff person in this church, to get to be part of our church's vision team. And like we said earlier, if you notice the new welcome stations out there, those have been the work of, of the vision team. And the most recent thing that the vision team has been working on is thinking about how we as a church can focus our efforts on our vision. Our vision that we are all becoming deeply transformed disciples who live for the transformation of hearts and the church and the community and the world. And there are some exciting dreams and possibilities emerging for new ways that we can engage our neighbors at Hardin Park School and be intentional about loving our community and inviting all to discover life in Christ through the wonderful resource we have out back on the Boone United Trail. And our discipleship team is doing great work really clarifying the the pathways to discipleship that will help us to see those next steps that we can take as we live into this vision. In the months ahead, you'll, you'll be hearing more about all these things, but the thing is, in order to experience the great things that God has for us, we can't stay where we are. We have to take a step. We have to be willing to keep going on the journey We might even have to give some things up. I'm not sure exactly what it'll be that God calls us to give up. Maybe it'll personally be some of our time, some of our resources. Maybe as a church, I hate to think it might be some program or project that I'm really passionate about, but that we need to move energy and and resources to, to something else because we feel like that's where God is leading us. But the promise that we have from God is sure Whatever God is calling us to, as a church, as individuals, God has already gone ahead of us. God knows all that we need and has already made sure we'll be able to get just what we need for whatever it is we're being asked to do, whatever that might be. We just have to be faithful to listen and to go. We can't just stay here. So let's get going. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you go before us, beckoning us toward you to step out in faith. We thank you that you reveal yourself to us in mountaintop experiences and in the darkness of valley floors. And God, we thank you that you give us companions on the journey and for the wonderful gift of this church as a community where we can worship and grow and connect and serve. Guide us, Lord, as we listen for where you are leading us. Keep us on the path that you have for us. Calm our fears. Give us courage. Don't let us turn back from your way of love, no matter the cost. By the strength that you give us through your spirit, we pray. Amen.